Hey there, praying Christian women. This is Alana with an exciting offer just for you. I have the nine books in the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense series on sale. These are Christian mysteries to keep you on the edge of your seat. And I am including nine bonus audios and a prayer journal and devotional inspired by the series. The link is in the descriptions. I hope you love it. And I also hope you love today's episode. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I'm so happy to be here with Katie Westerberg, who is the author of But Then She Remembered. Um, Katie, thank you so much for writing this book and and just um, for this topic that's so important about mindfulness and remembering um, and for being on the podcast today with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jamie. I'm glad to be here. Well, before we get into talking about your book, um, we would love to know what your favorite prayer closet is. So where do you go to meet with God regularly? Yeah, it, it's not a closet. I don't know if a couch counts, but it does. Like- it could be off the wall. It's That's why it's in quotes is because, you know, the, the prayer closet is seldom do we find people that have an actual closet. So yeah, yeah. So the couch. Yeah. Yeah, the couch, the space that draws me in here. I live out in Washington State mm-hmm. on just So we're a practically acres. neighbors. Like you guys are the next closest state to Alaska. Right. Yeah. There's not much that's close to us. I kind of feel we <laughs> out in the left a lot. But but we live just out of town. We own a couple acres, but we're surrounded by orchard and vineyard. And so we just look out on all that land that's oh, not ours. It. And that's what draws me in, just being outside as much as possible. But in the times I can't be, it's on that couch just taking in the wonders of God every morning. I'm that annoying person who could put a hundred pictures on Instagram of just the sunrise, because that's what draws me into just hit the wonders of his creation. Like, wow, God, you did it again and again. So that's where I like to sit and focus and study. And it's kind of the best of both worlds. Cause you know, you're not in nature with where the elements can be unkind, but you can observe nature. That's like Enjoy, the best of both yeah. worlds. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Well, um, can you just tell us a little bit about your book, but then she remembered what, what inspired you to write it? What was the felt need and who is this book for? Yeah. The, I, any book I've ever written has just come from my time in the word. I'm before anything else, just a student who loves to study. So it seems like the times where I've voted, devoted intense time to reading scripture is when these bigger themes have come out to me. So when I've read like cover to cover, and that's not always the best way to do it. It's one way to do it, but it seems like it's in those times that greater themes have kind of popped out to me. So it was several years ago when I was reading in that manner that the themes of remembrance and what happens when God's people forget really captivated my attention for this book. And I wasn't studying for this book. I was just just reading and soaking up, man, he tells us again and again, remember, remember, remember. And then we see what happens when God's people forget and how God responds and, and how scripture is so frequently repetitive. Like he's telling the stories again and again, and he's, and he knows that we're going to forget. So he's, he's telling the Israelites, you know, I'm going to have you set up these stones because I want you to tell this to your kids and your children's children. And I'm going to repeat these miracles again and again. And then we see that all threaded through the new Testament. So that's really what caused called my attention to remembrance. But at the same time, I have four kids, three of whom are teenagers. So I'm raising these kids 
in this world of intense distraction and technology and things I did not have as a teenager and things that can easily be struggles for me. So the question was really surfacing of how do I lead these kids well when I find this to be difficult myself? So, so unpacking those two things together. Okay, so is distraction really the problem or is it really remembering what my goal is here and, and does that distraction cause me to forget? So those two things kind of came together to, to form this book. That's so good. And, you know, I remember the very first time reading about the Israelites and when they decided that they wanted to go back to Egypt and they're like, well, even though we were slaves, at least back then we had better food and, you know, like they just, they were complaining. I remember reading that as a kid and kind of laughing and just being like, they're stupid, you know, or like, didn't they remember that God parted the Red Sea? Like he provided manna and they're getting like, they're complaining about that. And I just remember being taken aback. And then I remember again, reading it at another time in my life when I was older and being so deeply humbled and resonating with it so much. And I just wonder if it's because I was more self-aware or because maybe I was more guilty of not remembering what God had done. Because as a young child, how much history do you really have? Right. And and there wasn't that, that timeline of, oh man, I do this every day. I forget all of the things that God has done. So I just, I love how you talk about reading the Bible in its entirety, kind of getting a big picture feel for scripture brought you to this place of, mm-hmm. of seeing this theme kind of coming up again and again, but then relating it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, So do you think that, and it's kind of a loaded question, but do you think we're more distracted today than at other times in history or, and, and why or why not? Yeah, that is a challenging question. You know, that was one of the first things I asked when, when I was thinking through distractions, like, is this a new problem? Where people distracted. I mean, you just told the story right there. The Israelites, that's it, right? In the desert, God did these amazing, powerful things. And then, uh, you know, a chapter or two later, they forgot who he was and what he did. And like, ah, we don't want to follow anymore. We're going to go back this way, you know? And um, and so obviously, distraction has always been an issue. If I want to put that in more modern day terms, sure, we haven't had a, po- a phone in our pocket for the last 50 years. But could we see that maybe in the 1970s? pulling up a big newspaper around us and shutting out the world around us and maybe not doing what we should be doing because we're reading the comics and the obituaries and all the things, you know, it's really just kind of changed forms, the things that captivate our heart and our attention. And um, I do think, however, that distractions are nearer than ever before. So they're in our pocket with our phone. They're on our wrist with our watch. The other day I was reading just a a news article and the ads that popped up on the screen are now not just ads, they're moving. They're all little videos. (laughs) And I thought, how do we ever pay attention? Because everything is just moving right now. So, so they have come nearer than ever before. So I think we need new strategies for defending ourselves against them. And they're also interlaced and woven amongst these things that are actually really good tools. So the distance between being distracted and doing good work is narrower than ever, because I I could just tell you like, yeah, let's get rid of the technologies. But what about the good work we're doing here that I get to talk to you, that I get to even um, write books for my tiny town in Prosser, Washington, you know, so there's there's advantages in these tools, but the distance between them and their distance to us is is a lot more threatening than ever before. 
Right. And I mean, isn't it ironic that the things that we use to reach people for ministry are the same things that can take us away from relationship with God. Sometimes those tools and that ministry itself can be an idol. You know, for me, I, I, I spend more time posting to Instagram and Facebook or recording podcast episodes than I do actually talking to God and connecting with him. And that can, that could be just as much an idol as, you know, just playing, uh, cookie jam on your phone, you know, as a distraction, you know, as a mindless distraction, but they can both, they can all good looking things and good things can become idols and distractions too. So that is so hard. Um, So I wonder, do you think, so this is maybe a question for two different things. So I know like you and I have probably a memory of a time when smartphones weren't in front of us all the time. Our kids don't have that. Um, so do you think that women today are aware that they're distracted or has it become normalized? And then what about kids? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it has become normalized. I think we're both aware and it's normalized at the same time. So we develop yeah. this apathy, right? There's yeah. statistics out there that say between 60 and 75% of Americans will admit that they're addicted to their phone. Yeah. But so even that knowledge doesn't really change anything, but what are we going to do about it? Because this is the world we live in now. So we have become apathetic to it. And sometimes it's just not having tools to know what to do with it because yes, I do need to be on here for my work or yes, I do need to use my phone to communicate. There are advantages to having that. So we just kind of don't know where we go with that. And then yeah, parenting kids is a whole new struggle because oftentimes when we are parenting, we're either doing what our parents did. We're running to what we had before or running from it, right? We're doing the opposite of what our parents did. But we're in this new world where I don't have what my parents did. I, I don't have good examples or poor examples of, of how this should work because I didn't have mm-hmm. a phone until I went to college. Mm-hmm. So some of that is, and that's really what put the pressure on me to study this is that how am I going to lead these kids well if I don't even know a correct way to do this? This really like forced me to work this out with the Lord so I can I can lead them well in it as well. So what do you talk to them about and what do you talk to yourself about? I know this book is a lot for, you know, equipping us and then, you know, and therefore we can equip others, including our kids. But what what are the core values or pro- do you identify problems first and then solutions or do you identify core values of positive? This is what I'm going to value and therefore the distractions need to fall by the wayside. How do you approach that in yourself and in talking to others or discipling others? Yeah. First and foremost, vulnerably, right? Humbly, because Mm -hmm. I'm not writing this from a place of I have mastered this and let me tell you how to master it too, right? It's Mm -hmm. really humbly walking it out before the Lord and asking him for his Holy Spirit to help me do this work, right? Because to walk by my flesh is just to follow what the world does. And this is what I want to do now. And and I feel like just wasting my time on Instagram because I want to look at those cute clothes that everyone else is wearing. You know, we're all inclined to that in whatever capacity it might be. But what would it look like to walk by the spirit here? And there's some fun science we get to use in the book. Um, Forbes Business did did a, a study on, you know, distraction. And they talked about in it that sometimes we focus so hard on the distractions that maybe the distractions aren't as much a problem as we've forgotten what it is we want to pay attention to. 
Right. And if there is not a gospel principle threaded into that, it just like wowed me. Of course, the world would figure this out and not know the real solution here. But what is it that I want to be spending my time on in my days? And if I go back to that, rather than just staring so hard at, well, maybe I should delete Instagram. Maybe maybe I should take a break from Netflix. But what is it that my heart really needs to be focused after? What would it look to love Christ with my mind? That what, what does that even look like? And then if I don't necessarily have the tools to do that, first of all, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me, right? Because he's the great convict, great convictor and he helps me toward obedience. So I can say, just test my reflexes, help me, Lord, convict me, remind me when I'm on there, just that quiet, that quiet voice that says, is this really what I want to be doing right now? And so trusting my kids to learn to follow the spirit's leading is the very first step in any of that behavioral correction, right? Because I think he loves a heart that's willing. That's a heart he can work with. He's not up there like our phones tracking our minutes and saying like, oh, okay, so she was on an hour too long today. That's not how it works, right? But if, if I have a heart that's after him, the minutes don't matter anymore because he has someone he can work with here, someone who's shapeable. That's really good. So I'm curious, how do you outline this process? I know there are people, myself included, who just struggle with, how do I even hear from him? What are some steps I can take? What what can I do when I feel like there's nowhere to give? I know that there are people that just feel like, I don't even know what what in my life can give. I'm so busy because I've got all of these things that have to be done. How do we go about carving out time to even hear from God? And then once you create that time, what can we do to pursue a two-way conversation rather than just, you know, the, the, you know, obligatory dump of grocery list to God once in a while? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. I heard a sermon the other day that was talking about the battle for our focus. Mm. And I thought, man, that that's a really good way to look at it. Cause we, we don't always look at there, that there's a fight to be had for this. You know, when we are up against social media platforms or news platforms, any of that, that have like carefully articulated algorithms with all kinds of science behind us to hold our attention. They, they are after the attention economy, right? The market of those programs really is our eyeballs. And so they, they are meant to captivate us as much as possible. That's a pretty big giant to be up against, right? But I'm going to sit and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to focus and all of those other things and temptations are in my mind. So it is a battle to be fought. And I think we need to recognize that, that, okay, it's not just going to come easy one day where like, yeah, I'll just sit there luxuriously for hours and, and that that's how it's going to work. And I'm going to be so sharp and so focused. No, there's a battle to be fought here. So I'm going to recognize that from the beginning. And when we do that, then we, we put some measures in place. You know, maybe I'm just not even going to have my phone by me. So if the phone isn't, is a distraction, it's not necessarily the issue, but I can just put it away. I can make sure I don't even turn it on, right? I can just have it away from me because I don't, I'm not fighting that temptation today. And I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to get before the Lord. And in different seasons, that can look a whole lot different. When I, I talk about reading cover to cover, that is not for every season of life. You know, maybe some seasons of life, it's, it's reading a Psalm. And if that's what I can digest for the day, sometimes it's a verse. It's enough that just to stay in my mind and meditate on one verse that, that puts me in communion with Christ for that day. So again, there's not like some strict formula. There's a lot of right ways to do this, but then it's also being aware that he knows our frame. Like that's the greatest mercy in all of this. He knows that we're made for dust. He knows how our minds work, right? So when that happens, when I'm reading and, or, or I'm praying 
And all of a sudden I realize my mind is somewhere else. It's on this other list that I'm doing. Then I just ask him, Lord, help me, help me stay focused. And I come back and I try again, right? That's what battling is. It's not that we do it perfectly, but I'm in a willing, I'm willing to keep fighting for it because I know it matters. That's such a good point. And it's, I, we need to stop there and sort of ruminate on that because I think a lot of times a lot of us can be perfectionists or idealists and you have this idea of, oh, this is what my quiet time is going to look like. And it doesn't matter the season your life, the season of life that you're in, there are going to be things that, that sabotage that not to mention, and, and that's just by chance, not to mention Satan's attacks and his desire that always seems to, you know, seems to come up when, when you commit to starting anew, to, to committing, to spending time with God, Satan's gonna, you know, pull out the big guns and he'll yes. know where to get you. That's and we right. can't be afraid to do things imperfectly. And we can't be afraid to fail either. Um, just, you know, the other day I literally had to like sit myself down in my seat. I was so antsy to, get, I had a bunch of stuff to do and I was so antsy. I had not sat down to just read my Bible in probably months I had read, you know, I had done study things and looking up verses for different ministry things or things I have written, but just in terms of Bible study, I had not done it in a couple of months. And I had to like, I like was physically trying to get up out of the seat to move, to go do my to-do list. And I had to sit myself down to do it. And, and I didn't honestly come away feeling like wowed by what God had to say. I didn't really get a lot out of it. And, and, and there's a temptation there. And in, you know, in another time I might've been like, Oh, well, God, I, I committed this time to you. I, I deserve something back. I deserve a revelation or like the, the dopamine hit of yes. spiritual yeah. <laughs> happiness or something, you know, but but I think we need to be, a. we don't need to fear having it not be the picture perfect way that we thought it should go. And we don't have to feel like we need to get something out of it or even feel like we've given all that perfectly. I think we just need to be obedient and, and commit to putting that time in and that effort in. And that's enough for sometimes. Yeah. Well, because we're really sowing over the long haul, right? We yes. love instant gratification, yes. but I'm sowing for days when I can't sit down with this Bible, right? right. And if I'm showing up to worship God, then it's not really about my feelings. And, and you're, right. you're so right that we do want that. I want to, I want to walk away feeling like a good Bible study girl, right? <laughs> and then all these other technologies, like they are set up to give us that dopamine hit. So we're, we're expecting that that's how the rest of the world works to, to feel good about ourselves when we're doing all of that stuff. Right. But I'm showing up to honor God, not to honor myself. So aside from my emotions, what I feel like when I start and what I feel like when I, when I finish, right. Um, it's like, it's like eating vegetables. I know this is a really good investment. And so I'm going to do it, whether I feel like it or not. So the act that you like physically sat down and did it, that that's battling, that's healthy battling right now. I need to make myself stop for two minutes, whatever it is, because we all have that. Like, look at your phone and the minutes you've spent on it. I guarantee we can find two minutes to force ourselves to sit down before our creator and put this into perspective. Yeah. I love that mindset shift to this is a battle. This is not a discipline that sounds polite. And, you know, this is a battle, get your swords out, get your, you know, get yourself ready and, mm -hmm. and be okay with, with it being a little messy. Yeah. 
Well, and it, it recognizes and acknowledges what we're up against. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you talk about putting urgency on the immediate instead of the eternal. So what, what's the importance kind of shifting, you know, into that mindset, like what's the importance of having an eternal perspective and the danger of having only an immediate perspective, you know, speaking of instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the risks of all the media that we take in. It really does orient us toward the immediate. A friend was sharing with me the other day, a statistic about our empathy stores when we're on social media are drained in the first 30 minutes that we're on there. Ooh. And so I thought that was an interesting, I didn't read the study itself. She had just shared that with me. And I thought how interesting because you're on there and your heart goes out to these stories from across the world. And it's amazing that we can be connected with people across the world. And then we turn to our own families or our neighbors right in front of us. And we've drained our empathy stores on things that we're not even connected to, right? So, so when we open our doors to everything that's immediate, and it's not just social media. I mean, even the news cycles are like this. We mm -hmm. have information like never before right in front of us. And, and the world is telling us this is important and this is important and this is important and this is important. And so when we let the world tell us what's important, it's really easy for all of that to co-opt what we believe is a believer. But I, I'm here for eternity. And I, I know my days, I'm living for eternity. I know my days are numbered. So I don't know if that's tomorrow or if I don't know that's the next day after that, I don't really know. But I, I have a goal in mind that's going to look different from the world. So that's going to look different from any algorithm they set up for me. They're going to try to orient that toward everything they think would captivate my attention. But more than my attention, what is captivating my heart is Christ. So what would it look like to live from that position? But I, I'm living toward eternity and I want to take my neighbors with me and I want to take that bank teller with me. Like, how does that orient my conversations? Not, not what's urgent, not what's immediate, but what's really important here. And that kind of shifts how we address those situations. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yeah. And, and like you said, we're not trained for long, for the long haul. I mean, I would say just Western mentality in general is short-term focused and, and especially now in you know, our, our technological day and age, but I, I love that. And I I've been thinking about that a lot lately, just, um, you know, what, what is what I'm doing now sewing into eternity? Cause it's, what's it going to look like in a hundred years when I'm gone, like way gone and, and what's going to be left, what's going to be in, in eternity as a result. And I think that's sobering, but healthy it's, right. you know, to, to, to do that. Absolutely. Along those lines, um, like what, what does taking every thought captive look like today? Cause that is a big part of changing that mindset is kind of having a filter that, that catches those thoughts and tests them against scripture. So what, what does that look like to you? Yeah. Yeah. Because those thoughts are affected by all this information that comes in. Right. And it can send us into a tailspin pretty quickly because this information 
whether it's relational or with the news or the economy or any of those things. Um, I, I have a, no capacity to deal with all of this. This is all this is available to me now. And how am I going to deal with it? So when I look at things like artificial intelligence, and there's been lots of news stories about that lately, I think I, I don't even know what I think about that, right? It's really easy to worry about that. Or if I look at foreign relations, as on top of all the things that we would deal with in our own home, it all gets quite murky. And I start thinking, gosh, I don't know. You know, this, this is scary. This is concerning. We haven't dealt with this before. What does this mean? What does this mean for my family? What does it mean for us locally or regionally? You have all these thoughts coming in, all these reasons for alarm and worry. But the, the real tool of taking thoughts captive is to then bring them into obedience of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what does God's word have to say to that? Okay, maybe I can't find artificial intelligence in scripture, right? Exactly. But I can find how God's response to his people in need. I can find his faithfulness. I can find how he does not fail them, right? So do I believe that to be true in my practical theology right now or not? And that's how I take those thoughts captive. I bring that into the truth of who he is, what he does, and how he is loved, not only throughout scripture, but throughout my own life. I need to remember that. I need to remember, oh yeah, God has been faithful. Oh yeah, we have got diagnosis before, and we've had to respond to those that, are, that have turned our world upside down and felt really, really scary. And they don't always turn out like I want them to, but God was faithful. So we have those stories from our own life, through all of biblical history, through missionary stories, through the stories of hopefully our parents and grandparents, and we have to bring those to bear, or we're just like a ship without a sale out here. Wait, I do know who God is. And that's when we take it captive and put that into practice. Okay, God, this is who you are right here amidst all of that. And that can resettle our hearts and minds. And you bring up a really good point. Like all of your taking thoughts captive revolves around knowing truth. And, and if you don't know truth, you can't mm -hmm. test the thoughts that are coming in. And I think that's one of our biggest problems, probably even as Christians, even as the church with a capital C is most of us don't take the time to discover truth through the Bible, through God's word, because we want the quick and easy. We want the soundbite and you could get sound bites from, or, or we want the, the cliff notes from someone else, not to say that you shouldn't listen to other people, but there are a lot of false teachers out there. There are a lot of sermons that you're going to listen to. There are a lot of podcasts you're going to listen to. You, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast and take what we say as gospel until you test it against scripture. And so if you're not knowing that, it just, you know, everything you're saying just reminds me how important it is, even if you think you know what scripture says about something, to kind of go back and read it in context and not just little bits here and there. Um so how, um, doing that, like once we kind of have that foundation of, of taking those thoughts captive, can you just give us some kind of practical tips for emphasizing that remembering and going back and yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to add to your point there, the Bible oh, yeah. tells us like those false gospels, those false messages, the false teachers will only increase as the days mm -hmm. go on, right? So we have, it is our responsibility to be aware, to weigh these things out. And that's just truth accumulated over small bits over a long period of time. 
So yeah, that's incredibly important to know the word. And when we talk about remembering, we can't remember what we don't first know, right? We have to have a bank to draw from. So we keep mm -hmm. on filling that bank. We put in that time, whether it feels like a good idea or not in the moment. So we have something to, to, to recall from later. So, and practical tips to remembrance. So the most practical and boring option I can tell you that has been really fruitful in my own life is just scripture memorization. It's something mm -hmm. that we often relegate to childhood and somehow grow out of, but the word does not return void. And it's really our job to commit this to heart. I want to sow this into my heart and mind. So it's really what I'm thinking about because um, I'm being formed by the things that I put into my mind. And I'll tell you that scripture memorization is hard. The older our brains get, it's not easy. It's possible, but sometimes I'm amazed by how hard it is. I'm just like saying that word again and again. And why do I keep on messing up that phrase or, or not remembering it the next day? And it was one time where I was reading Psalm one, where it talks about meditating on his law day and night. And I thought, how do you, how do you even do that? Because we got real work to do, right? I can't be meditating on the law day and night. And I realized my struggle in scripture memorization had me saying the word again and again throughout the day. I was taping it on my refrigerator. So maybe it isn't much as much about remembering every verse and like being able to quote it all, but maybe a good part of the good work is actually in that struggle to memorize because I'm thinking about it again and again. And that battle is all good work to keep his words in my heart and mind. So memorization has been a really good gift for me. That is beautiful. It conjures up these memories of walking across my college campus with my little plastic orange scripture memory case that I kept in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. And I would just kind of try to memorize scripture. And it's like you're saying, you know, I would just get so frustrated because I'm not great at memorizing things. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of effort. But isn't that like the perfect metaphor of our whole Christian walk? It, is it about the end product, it's never been about the end product because the Bible tells us we're not going to get there until eternity. Mm -hmm. It's about the journey. It's about the failures. It's how we get back up. It's who we turn to when we do fall and whether we acknowledge the failure or try to cover it up and pretend like it's just the journey and the struggle are all part of and, and are the point, I think. And, and that's that's important to remember. Yeah. And we think about how a loving father views that, right? Like if, if you're a parent, I feel like that's a little bit easier. When I see my kids trying so hard to do the right thing and yeah. struggling, there's nothing but a heart of compassion for them, just cheering them on in yes. that race, right? So he's not, there. there is no shame in the, the slow and long memorization. Like everybody says, I don't think I've met anyone who said, oh, I'm awesome at memorization. I'm just really good at that. Like, no. <laughs> But it's how we look at that. Like that's a healthy struggle that I'm going to engage in. And I'm going to believe that God is going to honor that because he does. Um, well, how would you, what would you say if, if you could just pick like one, one piece of either advice or one take home message that you would hope that everybody would come away from this book with, what would that be? I hope they would see the value in remembering. So this is kind of interesting. When I when I first had this concept for the book and I was talking to my publisher, they were like, this is great. And I was showing them how it's threaded throughout scripture and I was super excited about it. And they said, but the problem is nobody's looking for a book on remembering. Like they, they we don't even know the need for this. So that was kind of interesting to have that conversation. And I think there's part of it that's true because they that's their job to help market things and, and provide, they got to make that connection between writer and reader. So they're, it's their job to look at that. But I think 
um, we don't know what's lost when we become forgetters. So just realizing that this, the distractions of this world and the apathy that kind of exists in us, that this is just the way it is. I would love for them to say, wait, maybe there is a different option. Maybe I can live different from the world. And yes, this is the world that I live in. But if God has called me to something different, if he's called us to be the remembers, then he's providing a way for me to do that. And I'm not just going to sit around and ignore that. I want to open script and unpack what that looks like so I can live a life fully focused on him. Yeah. And I mean, when, when you said that, I thought, well, I want to, I want a book on remembering. (laughs) And as soon as I saw your book, I thought, wow, we need this message so badly because maybe people aren't looking for it in the, the general sense, but, but we all are yearning for it. We all need it so badly. Um, Do you have any just personal anecdotes or stories of how remembering, particularly in since we're a prayer podcast, like answered prayer, looking back and remembering, um, whether it's through journaling and rereading a journal that you had forgotten about, or just is there something in your list of Ebenezer stones along the way that you like hold on to when you have a hard time come up that helps you to remember who God is? Yeah. Yeah. So many, because I look for these now I latch onto them because I I really started to understand the importance of them. But I can tell you one specifically that just came to mind when I wrote my first book. So I'm, I'm a homeschooling mom that God has given me some capacity to write and speak so that that's kind of a new part of what I do. Well, I've done that for maybe 10 years, but when, when I started writing publicly and I got the opportunity to write a book, that was kind of a whole new world for me, right? Not something I'd done before. And it really was a different schedule, different, all of that. So when that book was about to come out about six weeks before uh, my publicist started scheduling these interviews and everything was looking a lot different and I'm not an anxious person, but I started to get really nervous. Like, I don't even know how to connect a microphone to a computer, right? Like this is not my world. This is not what I do all day. I've never done this before. And it also felt like a lot of things that had to be done, but none of it could be done today. It's not like stay up and clean your house till midnight and you'll be ready to go. It's like, I, it was all just out there in the future. So Mm -hmm. I was feeling this ball of nerves and I called a good friend of mine and I said, is this, is this just what it's going to be like for the next six weeks? Just this like tangible ball of nerves in my stomach. Cause this, I don't even like this. And she said to me, I'm going to ask you one question, Katie, what are you believing to be true about God right now? Mm. And that, that question just crushed me. I was crying because I thought, I can't even believe here I am. You know, I think that I know these things, yet I'm so quick to believe that he's not faithful, that he's not going to carry me through this, that he's called me this far. And my family's going to have to live off of pizza for the next six weeks. And it's just going to be a mess. And I'm, I'm never going to figure out the technology, all these things. Like that's what I'm living, like what I, who I believe him to be. And it happens so quickly, but it's such a strong and convicting question. So that question alone has, has helped me in those times. And just having a friend who can ask that question or being the friend that can ask those questions that you can get to the heart of it. What are you believing to be true about God right now? And that's, that's the moment where we have that opportunity to take those thoughts captive and bring them to obedience and, and, and fight back against those feelings of, but wait a minute, God, this is who I know you are. This is not what I know you're going to do. So I'm going to ask you right now to help me like let this anxiety be gone, that I can believe what is true about you and not all these things that aren't true. So that was, that was definitely one of those Ebenezer moments that have served, has served me well. I love that. Did you end up, was there like a direct deliverance once you had that picture of who God was or did you have to keep like, was it a constant, like, okay, I'm feeling anxious again. Let me remember who God is or 
a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah no, it was mo- mostly immediate and it's not always that That's way, wonderful. right? And prayers answered in a hundred different ways, but it, in that moment, it was just the recognition of lies that I was <sighs> believing thoughts. I wasn't taking so captive good. and not even recognizing because they're sneaky. Right. And mm-hmm. when we're in new situations, new seasons, I think we're also more prone to it. We don't, it's not the same pattern. So it's not things we've seen before. So sometimes it takes someone to rattle us a little bit and say, Hey, wait, this, this isn't true. So yeah, that was a, a really sweet one. Well, and that just is a reminder, just a theme that comes up again and again in scripture and just in my life is just the importance of having fellowship, having other believers in your life that can speak that kind of truth to you, that can help you remember. Because sometimes when we're in the pit of despair, it's all we can do to brush our teeth in the morning rather that, you know, much less remember how good God is or who he even is, you know? And so it's so important to have those people in your life that can speak truth, even when it's hard, even, you know, that can give us the wake up call or that can just listen to us cry if we need that. But, um, but yeah, I love that, that picture of that friend that was willing to ask that important yeah. question to have that friend and to be that friend. Right. Cause that takes yeah. a certain amount of boldness, not to like, Oh, I understand. It's okay. Sometimes we patronize people yeah. when, when they really just need truth. So yeah, we need to be that friend as well. Yeah. Well, um, I would just love to know where we can find your books, where our listeners can connect with you on social media and online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mostly my website, katiewestenberg.com mm-hmm. and, and for this newest book, but then she remembered there's a whole Bible study that's downloadable for free on the website, which is kind of awesome because it's a great tool to go through the book with other people. So that's a great place to land. And then occasionally I'm at Katie Westenberg on Instagram. Okay. I will get that out and make sure everybody has all those, that, all that information. Um, So Katie, thank you so much for just taking time to help us think about this, to help us just, you know, remember the importance of being still and making space for, for remembering, because I think I, I definitely really needed that message and it's inspired me in, you know, more recent time to, to take some time for Bible study and and reflection. Um, So thank you for that. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Um, How can we pray for you today? I'll close this out in prayer. Okay. So I said I was a homeschooling mom and we are back to school next week here. So that's when everything kind of shifts and change and I have uh, less time for interviews and those kind of things. And we, we work on um, putting our our faces in the books and really being focused on that. So I would, I would love your prayer for the school year ahead. All right. We will do that. Well, Katie, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for Katie and um, just the idea that she had to write a book on remembering and the fact that you opened the doors wide for it to get out there. Um, We just pray, Lord, that you would bless it, that you would just um, get this book out to countless women, that you would allow it to reach them to give them a lifeline to you. I, I know there are women out there that are just struggling with, um, with life circumstances, with, um, busyness, with distractions. And I, I just pray that this would go out and provide a way for women to slow down and, and make space to connect with you, God, that they would find Jesus for the first time, that they would renew a relationship with, with you that has been stagnant for far too long. And, and that those that have a strong faith 
would just have um, tools put in their hands that would help them to even grow closer to you and to, um, to be connected to you in a way um, that this busy world doesn't want us and that the enemy doesn't want us to have. Um, Lord, we just pray for Katie's family for the upcoming weeks of starting up with school for the upcoming school year. Lord, just help her to find, um, just order her thoughts and give her the next steps for what you want her to do. Help her to be fully present for her children. Give her pockets of time to work on writing, ministry, whatever it is that that you have for her. And I just pray that there would be no either or that she wouldn't feel like she either has to serve her family or serve you in ministry, that it would be a absolute, um, just that you would, you would absolutely provide in every way for her and equip her for everything that you have for her. Um, and, and just help her in those things. I just pray that your voice and your leading would be first and foremost and just forefront in her life and that she would have ears to hear where you're guiding her, that you would bless her family, bless her children, and um, just bless her home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.